0: Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. What's what the poster said? See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Because no. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May third. Rated PG thirteen. Welcome to the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. It is Thursday, just after one o'clock p.m. Chris Fedor, Joe Varden with you. Uh, we've got a lot of questions to get to. People have been sending those questions in via Twitter all afternoon. Um, but Joe, you're back from Las Vegas, buddy. How was it? Well,
1: uh, my brain is fairly fried, more so than normal. So you all will have to to bear with me. It was it, it was good. Uh, it was very good. Um, you know, I got to see the Cavs play four times got a chance to really sit and talk with, with Kobe Altman and, and Ty Lou, um, and got a chance to see Jordan Clarkson and, and Larry Nance and, and George Hill. Uh, those three guys were out there and, and, um, also really got a chance to, to begin to, to get to know Colin Sexton a little bit and probably more than anything, um, watch him play. And, uh, it was fun to just see him, um, get markedly better as the games wore on, um, you know, his last game Wednesday was just fantastic. Um, and he's, he's been really consistent. I, I I believe that, um, he is that of the top eight anyway, Mm -hmm. he's the, he's scored the most points out there. um, and then uh, I haven't looked today, so I'm not sure if, if Knox still has more points than he does. But it's been it's been great. So um, it was a good trip, informative trip. Um, you know, the, <laughs> it's uh, there's a lot of NBA writers out there, and a, and a lot of people, um, you know, asking me about what it's going to be like to go from from covering uh, a team with LeBron to a team that is irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I think the Cavs would like to beg to differ on that. But I guess we'll, I guess we'll see. I guess we'll, um, we'll, we'll see how relevant they turn out to be. But um, I guess it was like the first chance to kind of move on, I guess, from LeBron. I mean, you know, you're back out there. You're working. The basketball people are doing their thing. And, and
0: life goes on. So um, it was a good trip. Okay, so when people ask you that question about the future without LeBron, how do you answer it? Well, I mean,
1: cause there's a couple of different ways that the question comes. It comes about what should the Cavs do or yeah. what they are going to do, which I can explain. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I can explain that. Uh, and then the question could be like, well, what do you think from from your perspective as in like, how's this going to be for me? How's this going to be just for the organization and the town and and all that. And that that's a, a different discussion. Um, I just don't think we we know. I mean, you know, we don't know really what this is going to look like. I think that that league wide, uh, the opinion on the Cavs is very down. And you say that that's obvious because no one survives losing LeBron. Um, mm-hmm. Certainly, the Cavs didn't, and the Heat didn't make the playoffs their first year either. But they did make it the second year. Um, and so you know the the Cavs. Uh, would contend that um, that the guys they traded for last year just didn't have the time to get used to the pressure involved with playing with LeBron. And um, so that they're going to be better. And uh, the, without LeBron, like they're going to have more of a system and some of these players will be better in the system. Um, of course this doesn't add up to a finals berth and they know that and would say that, but they think that they have, um, th- that they have a chance to, to really be competitive and, and to maybe even make the playoffs. So that's the company line. And if that's true, um, it'll be a lot of fun to cover this team. And if they go back on what they've been saying and tank, um, it'll be really, really tough. And there would be no end in sight. I mean, I think, that's the thing, like, all these people, and you may be one of them, I don't know, but uh, that are kind of demanding uh, an immediate hard reset is that there's just absolutely no guarantee that that works. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like, the, like, the example I use is the Sixters. They went through incredible pain for several years. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are now fun to watch. There's no question. Uh, but if they don't trade for Kawhi Leonard, they're not going to the finals. Mm-hmm. They're not. They're not going to beat Boston. Um, and that, so like, that so there is no guarantee that if you just say, ah, oh, okay, well, you know, we, you got to go rebuild like that five years from now or whatever, things will be okay again. So with that being the case, uh, I'm interested to see, um, if the Cavs stick, stick to what they said they were going to do and, and, and
0: see how that goes. See, I think that's always the hardest thing about a discussion about tanking or quote unquote, bottoming out Joe is that there is a human element involved in this sort of thing. And Dan Gilbert is a businessman, and he's already gone through this process of bottoming out in the aftermath of LeBron James leaving once in a decade. So asking him to do it again twice in one decade is probably really, really difficult on him. A competitive guy, he has spent so much money to try and win, and to tell him that you've got to go completely the other way it affects ticket sales. It affects jersey sales. It affects how his organization is viewed. Um, and I think the other thing that you bring up is a really good point. How long have the New York Knicks been tanking for? How long have the Phoenix Suns been tanking for? These Orlando. things... Yeah, Orlando, same thing. Great point. These things, there, there is no set time of when you could be uh, done with that particular process. I mean, the Cavs... The Cavs went through it for the years when LeBron wasn't here, um, and the best that they got before LeBron came back was, what, 33 wins, something along those lines? Yep. But, but tanking requires you to get every single pick right, um, and it puts a lot of pressure on the organization. There are a lot of jokes that come with it, and it's just... I don't know. It can lead to chaos, and it can lead to turmoil within an organization. And when you're an owner like Dan Gilbert, and you've already gone through that once in a decade, I just think it's very, very difficult to go through that twice in one decade.
1: Yeah, I, I really do. And 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 um, and so, you know, I mean, they <laughs> the, that part is true. And then also, like, I, I believe that if the correct market were there for Kevin, I think they probably would be more aggressive to move him. Um, But maybe there isn't a market for him now, at least with certainly there isn't to what they think is worth trading him. Um, Yeah. can if you want to try to parse what Kobe said in Vegas, I mean, he said, I don't think you get better trading Kevin. Like that doesn't help us. Um, Which either means they don't want to trade him at all. uh, Which is, I mean, past, uh, past actions by this organization suggests otherwise, Uh Uh, but certainly that suggests that, that, that the right move isn't there. And so you, you would say, um, you can get something for him at the trade deadline if this doesn't work out. Uh, and I think if, you know, I I mean, we've got to talk to Kevin about this. Um, what if the Cavs know that he wants to come back beyond this year, then, that makes a lot more sense to not just, just yeah. trade them. Um, but I just, again, like, no one is is saying that the Cavs are correct in their assessment of what they have. But right. um, given everything that we've said, which I believe to be true, uh, then then they certainly have the right to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, so, you know, it gives everybody something to watch early on.
0: And it's always interesting to me because the question that I keep getting asked, Joe, is – do the Cavs really believe this, or are they just saying it because they have to say it to protect Kevin's value, to protect season ticket holders, and to protect like their organization? You don't want an organization to come out and say, hey, we're going to tank, we're better off being one of the worst teams in the NBA, and start saying, oh yeah, Kevin's available, you want Kevin? Give us an offer. Um, so people always ask me, they're like, is it really what they feel, or are they doing this? that are they just protecting what they already have and, and the way that i answer it is like they're probably incentivized to lose because of the top 10 pick protected to atlanta but at the same time like it's hard for me to doubt that this is what they really really believe and what they really really want because behind the scenes not just publicly but behind the scenes these are the indications that they've been giving for months So I think there is some truth to it, Joe, that this is more than just what a team would say publicly. This is something that that they seem to be um, pretty adamant about in terms of chasing that playoff spot. Well, and so
1: they also – I mean, you talk about behind the scenes. Like I I listed off the the names of people that that were out there in Vegas and then – there are other guys, not players, but there are other people who were out there whose names I didn't mention. And every indication um, that you got when talking to all these people is that this is the MO Um, that they, I mean, they have the front office has communicated to all their players uh, that they intend to compete this year. Um, You know, they've told Kevin they don't plan to trade them and, and like they've, there's been discussions with Jr. and with even Corver, who mm-hmm. virtually everybody has circled as a trade candidate, um, like kind of getting them ready to come back to camp. So um, they, they certainly could move one or more of those guys. Um, I, I don't see a, a move for Kevin right now. And, um, yeah, I mean, it really seems like, you know, it seems like this is what has been
0: communicated to all the all the players involved that they're going to try this out. So the next question I think Joe is do you think it's the right move for the organization? Because I you think know, you've done a really good job laying out like why they think what they think.
1: Yeah, yeah I like so they know the the upcoming draft a lot better than I do. Right. And the one thing – because you talked about behind the scenes and, like, the other piece to that, which I wanted to mention, was four months they have been kind of indicating that the next draft class is not what this one was. Yep. And they really, really – I mean, between, like – especially when the discussion comes back to, like, holding on to Kevin or not holding on to him, like, they seem to suggest uh, that it would be more valuable to hold on to Kevin right now and try than to go all in chasing that draft pick mm. um, that, that for this particular year, which right. the other thing that we didn't mention was um, you're still not necessarily guaranteed top 10 by trading Kevin, although it's much more likely. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you're definitely not guaranteed like getting high enough up into the lottery to, to make the a pick that's worth it. So um if they don't believe that there's enough talent there to chase that pick, you try now, you get a, you get a pick back. Um, you get your own pick coming, starting again the following year. And as we've already said, if, if this doesn't work by January, you can, you can do your fire sale and you can sell Kevin to the, to the highest bidder. Um, you know, they'll part with a pick. I mean, if if a contender needs him, um, you know, and 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 you move on but so 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 yes um i am of the opinion uh that this is fine the, hmm. the like i i just um you know i <laughs> uh I, everybody wants to play fantasy gm um <laughs> I, I think these these rebuilds are such crap shoots i i just i i, I think there's a lot more value i i, I just I, I don't i think that there's real value uh, towards remaining competitive instead of intentionally making yourself uncompetitive for an indefinite period of years, um, i I will say that if if they end up in a spot where they lose Kevin for nothing, mm. that's a question,
0: yes, uh, but, right but I,
1: I just still think they're protected from that, like how?
0: Because Kevin won't be untradeable at the deadline unless he got hurt. Right. Which is a danger because this is a guy who has gotten hurt in the last couple of uh, seasons for sure. Mm -hmm.
1: But if, I don't know. I mean, if the market's not there for him now, I wouldn't trade him for nothing. I don't
0: know. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good point because I I don't know where the market is for him right now because I, I get the sense that, We're kind of past the big wave of free agency, and I get the sense that these other teams around the NBA, they want to see what it now looks like for them with some of the new pieces that they added in free agency or some of the guys that they have internally that maybe have grown in the offseason or grown from the end of last season to where they are now. And I get the sense that a lot of these teams are set. Unless, like, Kawhi Leonard becomes available, and then all of a sudden Philadelphia wants to go in hard on that, or L.A. does, or Boston does, or whatever the case may be. Um, usually, you, you want to see what you have first before you start parting with young, up-and-coming players or future draft picks for a guy like Kevin. Um so, so I think you're kind of right. I, I don't know what the market is for him at this particular moment. It's hard to gauge, I think.
1: Yeah, I, I, I really agree with that. And then you just have to – I mean, I you know, I saw your scenarios thing in, uh, that your post where you came up with five trades maybe the Cavs could do, and there was one in there for for Kevin. And, I mean, part of that is the assignment. You know, the assignment is, hey, like, think of trades that might make sense. Right. Here's one, um, and, and I thought it, it made some made sense certainly, but but then again, it's like uh, the Warriors now have five All Stars. Yep. Uh, so yep. why? I mean, like outside of the Rockets, maybe. Yeah. I I I don't see the Lakers doing it. Um. I just don't.
0: Right. I mean, I put the Lakers on there as one of the trade destinations, but I even put like a huge qualifier in the blurb saying, look, they're going to protect their assets for as long as possible to see if Kawhi makes sense, or they're going to be hesitant to take on any kind of money beyond this year so that they can be big time players in the 29 free agency. So while, Kevin is the kind of guy that makes sense next to LeBron, and we've seen that for the last four years, and they absolutely need shooting. This is a guy that is probably lower on their list than some of these other targets that they may have. Um, and I think a lot of teams are going to be in that same kind of boat, you know, where they're protecting their assets or their future draft picks um, because they understand the reality of the landscape of the NBA right now. And, and being competitive, being competitive is enough for some teams, um, but giving up assets in order to be competitive, I think that's a completely different scenario.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I agree.
0: So I think the other thing is now if we try and spin this forward, Joe, uh, and, and we, we are under the impression that Kevin is going to be here unless the Cavs get blown away by an offer, which is probably not out there um, – how do you think in watching Colin Sexton, and I know it was just NBA Summer League, and the competition that he played against is not nearly what it's going to be in the regular season, and I think that qualifier exists, and everybody knows it by now. but how do you think Colin fits alongside Kevin?
1: well, uh, they can they can run you know the one four pick and pop, uh certainly mm-hmm. um, you know, Colin, and I mean, this is talking to Colin and talking to Ty, and just kind of watching. They they feel like he's good in the in the pick and roll, um, so that's good. And and just like uh, you know, Sexton is a slasher, and he's a driver. Uh, he drives the ball right to the rim. And what the Cavs keep talking about is space, space, space. Wait till you, wait till Colin gets out there in a real NBA game with shooters around him who are real shooters. Um, He's going to have all kinds of space. And so that's Kevin. I mean, if you look at um, what they have, uh, I mean, Kevin gives them floor spacing. I mean, who are you talking about? You're talking about Kevin as a three shooter and then Korver who's still on the roster can shoot threes. And, I mean, after the year Jr. had it's, it's, it's hard to put him in that same category. Although that's who he is as a player, right? Um, so yeah, so that's I think that's how, where they would fit
0: is is in, in those games. What stood out to you the most from watching Sexton and Summer League? Well, I really uh, the
1: the thing that he was able to do in college um, is, I mean, he was a scorer. And he, uh, he really got himself to the line. And he was still able to do that out in Vegas. Um, he, he showed no fear. He went to the, to the rim on um, Wendell Carter Jr. Uh, Wendell blocked him at least once. But, you know, Colin really st- stuck his nose in there, dro- drove the ball the entire time. Um, I thought he did a good job uh, making the right plays. There were a couple of errant passes, but it was more in the delivery instead of the decision. Um, and he's, he's, he is really fast. So I liked all that. Um, you know, I, I didn't see him a ton in, in, uh, in college just because, I mean, you know, when you're dealing with the LeBron team, college basketball is not something you really get into, but, uh, certainly the, the, the knock on Colin was shooting and, um, I didn't like the way the ball came out of his hand as a th- uh, for threes, but he, he showed a, a, a decent mid-range game, a, de- a decent pull-up game. Um, so those are all the good things. The thing that's hard for me is he's 19 and he looks it. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, he, he seems like a cool dude, seems like a good guy whose heart is in the right place and, and wants to work hard and all that. So that's great. He's so young. Yeah. Uh, and it's just it's hard to it's just i mean it's it's hard to envision it's just hard to envision how this is going to go for somebody as young as as he is and and he's got a, he's got work to do
0: to get to get bigger so um th- those were kind of, those were my initial takeaways i know you spent most of your time watching the cavs did you check out any of the other players at summer league or any of the other rookies at summer league there's so much going on at once it's so hard
1: yeah, I mean a little. You know, don't forget um I mean Bagley Jr was out after a game or two. Right. Um so I saw Aiden a little um you know I saw I loved Wendell Carter and his game against the Cavs. Um,
0: yeah.
1: it was fun watching Sexton against Holiday in the Pacers game. That was good. Um you know Doncic didn't play. Right. Net, Net didn't get a chance to see Trey Young. You know, everybody was doing backflips over uh over Knox. <laughs> Who, by the way, is he is he remains second uh, in summer league play uh, in scoring. It looks like but he's only played three games, um, and then because we were talking about this earlier, and, uh-huh. and Sext- Sexton, I think, is in the top fifteen, but he's played four games and he's he's averaging eighteen point eight points per game. So that's really good. He's um, you know, I mean. Shea uh, Gilgis Alexander is is 19 flat um, He was drafted behind him and and uh, you know um, when you talk about uh, top 10 guys I mean Colin Sexton man is as good
0: as anybody and I think that goes back to something that we were talking about earlier in this podcast Joe just just the view of this year's draft versus the view of next year's draft. And I just don't think you can overlook this. I remember having a conversation with somebody inside the Cavs when the Cavs didn't know exactly who was going to be there at number eight. They just knew that they had the number eight overall pick. And I said, are you upset that you've got the number eight pick, thinking that maybe this was going to be a top three pick or a top five pick? And they said, Chris, like we think the guy that we're going to get at number eight would be a top three pick in the 2019 draft. That's how much value is in this class. And that was the thing that stood out to me about Summer League is that Wendell Carter Jr., he went seventh. I mean, in next year's class, if he would have been in next year's class, I think he would be in the conversation for the number one pick. I think he's that talented. He's the prototypical big for this day and age in the NBA. He went seventh. Colin Sexton went eighth. Kevin Knox went ninth. Shea Gilgis-Alexander went 11th. So when you start talking about that, these guys would be top five picks in most drafts. The only reason that they were towards the latter half of the NBA lottery is because this was a stacked class, completely stacked. And I think it's showing itself at NBA Summer League. And I know it's just Summer League and stuff like that, but you can start to see why the Cavs were so protective of that pick and and why um, and why they were so excited, no matter where they landed in the draft, is because there was so much talent to be had. It's it's a deep class, man.
1: Yeah, it it is, and uh, and you know the cats are just um, they're they're thrilled, honestly, with with what they've seen what they've seen from Sexton, um, and you know now, now they're going to play again uh, on Saturday. Uh, they, you know, cause they advance in the, in the summer league tournament. So they'll play the Rockets. Um, Sexton's played every game so far. It'll be interesting to see if they want him to keep going with that. Um, you know, Jetty and, and Ante, who've also been fantastic, have also both only played in, in two games. So, you know, between Sexton, Jetty and, and Zizic, um, you're looking at got like three guys who are getting some summertime action who are going to be rotation players for the Cavs
0: and and all three of them look pretty good curious being out in Las Vegas the hub of the NBA what was the vibe around LeBron's decision and him choosing Los Angeles
1: uh you know what the the discussion i think was was um by i mean uh was was much more Uh, uh, I'd say about like what this means for the Cavs. Gotcha. Um, Okay. Like, 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 based, like, like to to keep the context uh, intact from your question, I would say that the 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 discussion was far more about okay, is this gonna work in LA? Mm. Um, like what what can the Lakers expect? Like, how are they gonna get other guys? Like, what do the current guys think? Um, you know, is Rondo gonna start over ball, like ball's hurt, when's LeBron gonna talk, like all all of that kind of stuff. Gotcha. Um so it wasn't really about where is he supposed to go or where should he have gone. Mm-hmm. Um I mean I, I that story I think has been pretty just pretty well told is that he just he he wanted to go to LA. He right. he wanted to play for the Lakers and it didn't it was a lot less about what happened in Cleveland and a lot more about because he won, he felt like he had kind of carte blanche to, to, to pick um, where he wanted to finish up and, and he wanted to go with the Lakers. So that's what, that's what that was. Um, but as I said, uh, folks, uh, the NBA does not think much of your team. Um, that is for certain. Uh, you know, ESPN producers talking about how uh, you know, they'll never be in Cleveland again. You know, yeah. national is coming up to me saying the same thing. Um, just as though it's a foregone conclusion that this team is is doomed uh beyond help. So um that's you know, that that's the outside opinion. Um and I mean, if the Cavs want to use it as bulletin board material,
0: well then there you go. At this point, um do you believe Kevin will be on the roster? At the start of the season,
1: I I just do I okay. I just um, you know like, you could say well, the Cavs were in a similar situation in 2014 when they had Andrew Wiggins and they knew they were going to trade him for Kevin, but they kept saying all along that they weren't trading him. But the the conversations privately w- with Andrew were well, I mean you're being traded. Uh Um, like they knew, I mean, in, in this case, you know, the front office told Kevin that he's coming back. So, um, you know, you can't rule anything out in this league for sure. But I just, I don't know. I just, I I think that they've gone really far out there on this and they, and they think he's going to be, they think he's going to be back.
0: All right, we'll get to all the questions coming up next. We've had a bunch of them come in on Twitter throughout the course of the afternoon. But first, a message here. Did you know that one in six Northeast Ohioans struggle with hunger? Many people in Northeast Ohio are forced to make tough choices. Unexpected expenses, prescription costs, and rising heat costs are all things that can prevent people from being able to put food on the table. And they're forced to make tough decisions, which often results in hunger. But you can help. Each dollar that you donate to the Harvest for Hunger campaign will result in 4 meals. Donate today by visiting harvestforhunger.org. Help feed your neighbors. Cleveland.com is a sponsor of the Greater Cleveland Food Bank's Harvest for Hunger campaign. All right, welcome back. It's the Wine and Gold Talk podcast on a Thursday. Chris Fedor, Joe Varden with you. You ready for questions, buddy? I am I'm ready. I'm hanging I'm hanging in there. Uh,
1: you know, gas tank is about at half. Oh. So Let's do it. You took a red eye yesterday, didn't you? My goodness. I stepped on the airplane in Las Vegas at, um, I mean, I don't know what time we boarded, but wheels up was at like 1045 West Coast time. Oh, So, yeah, so, you know, that's 145 a.m. Cleveland time. Landed in Detroit at 530 a.m. Cleveland time. And uh, had to stay awake um, until I got on the plane at eight o'clock. So, yeah, it's been uh, it's been quite a thing.
0: All right. So, first question: is somebody wants to know if there's an update on Rodney Hood,
1: so the Cavs extended a qualifying offer to him, which is a would be a one year three point four million dollar deal. They are not precluded from negotiating with him on top of that on their own. Um, sometimes with a restricted free agent, you want the market to kind of set the terms of, of what you end up paying um, them. The Celtics are doing that with Marcus Smart, for instance. Um, and so with with Hood, the, the Cavs um, certainly intend on bringing him back There's been reports of some discussions uh, between um, the Kings and, and Rodney and maybe the Rockets and Rodney. Um, I I think the offer would, would would have to be stunning at this point for the Cavs not to bring him back. They insist he is part of their plans, but they haven't, they haven't done it yet. So, um, you know, Rodney has something to consider if he just wants to come in on the, on the one-year deal. 3.4 3.4 million and play his way into a contract next year when a lot more teams have a ton of money. Um, and then he would, he, he would maybe have his autonomy then. So that's something to consider or given his kind of so, so start to his career, would he like the security now of, of signing an offer sheet with somebody for four years and, you know, make up a number, uh, I mean, eight figure deal certainly. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and then, probably understanding
0: that the Cavs would match it so that's what we have right now there I feel like some of these restricted free agents around the NBA Joe don't have an understanding on how restricted free agency works because they keep getting annoyed with their teams like ah, why aren't they offering me a contract I feel hurt that they're not negotiating with me and it doesn't work that way you just wait it out and you see if another team is going to make an offer for you, and then you just jump on top of that and you match it. It's not that the Cavs wouldn't want Rodney Hood back, or the Boston Celtics don't want Marcus Smart back. It's just why would they negotiate against themselves at this point?
1: Yeah, I I just thought um, I I thought the Zach Levine fiasco was was ridiculous. Yes. Um, like what what's he talking about? <laughs> And then you know, and then he saw- and then, when the deal becomes official, oh, I, I never was upset with the bulls, right. and, well, I mean, your really weirdo comments that you gave <laughs> the day or two before certainly sounded like you were pissed off at the bulls, and I just you're right, Chris. it really spoke to like an apparent total lack of understanding of how this is supposed to work.
0: Oh, my gosh, uh, my buddy John wants to know he tweets at us, he says. Do you anticipate any trades before the season starts with the Cavs? Is this notion that we aren't tanking really true, or is it just words at this point? We kind of talked on that. Um, do you anticipate any trades before the season starts? Kyle Korver's a name that continues to get brought up.
1: So okay, so Korver's a name. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you if if for some reason the Cavs were looking for a, a young player with some years left on his deal who has an upside, um, you could package Corver uh, and Perkins. And now you're looking at a $10 million player, $10 yep. million dollar plus. Sure. Um, so that's not nothing. So that's, so that's one possibility there. Uh, and then keep in mind guys that, that the Cavs have a $5.8 million trade exception from the Kyrie Irving deal that expires on August 22nd. Yep. Um, so they have some time to use that. Now, lots of times, you see these, trade, uh, the, these uh, trade exceptions, and they're for smaller amounts, like a, a million and a half, two and a half million, that sort of thing. Um, and those often don't, go, don't uh, get used because it's kind of too small to, to, to trade for a player who's worth it, and then you can't stack them. Mm-hmm. You can't stack trade exceptions. You can't add them to other pieces. Like it's just a one-time hole. Um, but five point eight million is significant, especially this year where teams don't have a ton of money, so there's not nearly the the free agency splashes being made although I heard the Lakers signed somebody fairly significant um anyway uh, yeah otherwise it's it's uh like it's bare for 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 kind of players and teams so that would be one to use um so keep your eye on that uh and then you know you you they seem intent on bringing back George Hill um, to play in front of or behind or with Colin Sexton. Um, I mean, you know, they'd love to trade Jr. Uh, if they could. Sure, uh, that, that would be a heavy lift, but um, I don't think you trade Jetty right now. Certainly not. Right. Uh, and that's that's your team.
0: It's funny that you bring up J.R. because you lit up Cavs Twitter earlier this afternoon um, with the blurb that you had in your Colin Sexton piece about the Cavs turning down a trade with the Atlanta Hawks on draft night, which uh, obviously would have netted them, I would think, Luka Doncic. Uh, do you realize that you sparked a, a ton of reaction with that little blurb that you made there? <laughs> well, you mentioned it
1: uh, off to me off the air, so
0: whatever, you know,
1: people love these things. Um, it's, I mean, these kinds of conversations go on all the time. Um, you know, I, I mean, I think when you're, when you're looking at, at, uh, Kent Bazemore, I'm calling him up right now. Um, $18 million player this year, uh, 19.2 million for next year. But that is, uh, I think actually believe that is a, Yes, that is a player's option.
0: So, um, you know, I, I, I don't think the Cavs had a ton of interest in that. Yeah, not to mention, if, if you look at what um what Dallas had to give up just to move up two spots, they had to give up a, a future first-round pick. I mean, that is a hefty price to pay just for two spots for a team like Dallas, you know. So now if you're, like, contemplating Atlanta would have to drop down five spots, swap three and eight they're in danger of maybe missing out on Trey Young. I would think that they would have demanded a lot more in that particular deal. For what, yeah, I mean,
1: uh, this uh, story uh, was from well, well-placed sources uh, uh-huh. inside and outside the team. Um, the the team, uh, after the fact, the, the Cavs um, suggested that this was not in fact what they were offered. But again, that's, that's kind of the, the back and forth there of, of how, how these things go sometimes. And, um, you know, maybe there, were, there was more to it, but league sources suggest that this, uh, this deal was indeed offered
0: in some shape or form. All right. Next question here. This one comes from Joseph. He says, big fan of the pod, realistic upside, current player comparisons for Jetty Osman, Ante Zizic. What kind of role do you expect both to have this year for the Caps?"
1: I don't know. I I don't know on the first part of that. I don't know about who, um, who they're like, whatever. I don't, I don't, I'm not good with those things. Okay. But, but I, I I really felt good about Jetty. I thought he looked different to me. Uh Um, looks the same to me as a shooter. Okay. Like he's, he's got to work. He's, he knows he has work to do there. Um, but I just thought he moved different and I thought he moved better. And I thought he moved better with the ball. Um, he had this play in transition. There were players in front of him, but the Cavs were on the move and and Jetty's got the ball. His shoulders are square to the rim and then he puts it on the deck, power dribble, spin step, finishes with the left hand. Uh, and it, it just really was a polished play. Um, and I just thought, I mean, he looks like one of the best players out there. And uh and I just I think that's good. I, I think that's a good thing. I, I think he's got a chance to be good. Um I need to see more before I would say he has he's got a chance to be really good. Mm-hmm. But but I, I I thought he looked you know, I, I definitely see some promise there. And then the thing with Zizic is when he got a chance in March, um yep. he really did pretty well. So it's a kind of a different league right now. Like there's a lot of trending going away from the, the traditional bigs and he certainly is that, but teams have a hard time keeping him off the glass and, and he's got a little bit of, um, polish there around the rim. So, um, he's another, he's, he'll, it'll be interesting to see. I think that one of the problems for for Ante is just, if they don't trade Kevin, uh, and everybody stays healthy, then he's
0: their fourth big. Right. So I think Jetty's spot in the rotation would be higher. Okay. Um, Jetty could very well – not a starter, I can't see that, but he could be one of their most important pieces coming off the bench, right? Well, I I
1: don't know about
0: I, – I mean, I, I think you're right.
1: Um, I think I, if assuming Rodney's back in the fold, you, you would assume that Rodney starts with Jetty and um, probably Jr. still starts and then – sexton or hill yeah i guess who <laughs> i don't know uh and then kevin for sure and then i would probably say nance um i think that's what i would go with yeah as my, fifth, my five um but there's some there's some questions there i mean i guess you could consider starting jetty and rodney Mm. Um, so, and I just, I mean, you know, Kobe when they drafted Sexton seemed to like him as a starter and, and Ty doesn't want to go there yet either way. So we'll have to see.
0: This is just me asking. This is not a question that came in on Twitter. Um okay. Are you excited to think about, like, covering a Cavs team without LeBron James and what you think that entails? Um after four years of, of dealing with, you know, the circus, the drama, the expectations, the pressure, and all that different stuff that came with LeBron.
1: Uh, well, I mean, I think um, there's, there's two parts to this uh, and, and you really hit on it and, and it's hard. You know what? I was going to say it's hard to understand, but I'm not actually sure it is. I think fans um, obviously greatly appreciated the opportunity to watch LeBron the opportunity to watch the Cavs all sure. the way into the finals. Of course, 2016 is something that will never be forgotten, but, but fans also really caught on as to sort of the drama that comes with LeBron. And it comes in a, a whole bunch of different ways. Like, is he staying? Is he leaving? What's going on with Dan Gilbert? Mm-hmm. What's he think about Evan? Like, how do he treat Kyrie? Like, just, is he ever going to defend? Like you kind of go on and on and on. And, I mean, if you argue, if you were to trying to make the case that, that LeBron isn't worth it, you're wrong. You're right. just flat out wrong um, because he gets you to the finals. So all that stuff is worth it. But since he didn't want to play here, um, yes, the, there is a little bit, I, I did feel relief uh, a couple of times out there. Just, I mean, there was some, there's been some good stories written lately about LeBron and, and the Lakers and... There, there is relief to not have to um, to to be responsible uh, for yet another LeBron story um, because those things happen all the time. It never quits. It's twelve months a year. Yeah. Um, and then there's also yeah, like a little bit of of relief from the standpoint of like I know it's sort of that dark cloud. Uh, that often followed this team during the regular season, really for, I mean, really all four years. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that that's not going to be there. Um, but, but, you know, I, I think that I'm also, there is, it's not just relief. I mean, I think there is some concern um, is this team really going to become irrelevant and just what that's going to be like. I mean, just, you know, since you asked me for me personally um, I've never covered a bad team I've never, I've never, never covered a bad basketball team. Right. Um, like I, I showed up when LeBron did. So, um, I don't know how that's going to be. Uh, you know, I mean, we're going to lose colleagues, uh, Mm -hmm. that we're friends with who we've been with for four years and they're not going to be around anymore. So that's going to be no fun. Um, but there it, it's, um, it, it will be exciting, at least at the beginning to see, uh, what they have and And you know, could this thing get better a lot, uh, a lot quicker than we thought? I mean, I'm sure no one outside of the Pacers organization was excited about the Pacers heading into last season. Sure, and they were phenomenal. And um, I think the expectations around the Jazz, after having lost Gordon Hayward, uh, were way down. Mm. And uh, and then Donovan Mitchell was fantastic. So um, you know. That that's the Cavs want to try to achieve that. Either one of those would be fantastic
0: if they could somehow get up there, like like either of those clubs. And Joe, I also think that the Cavs are looking at it the right way, or at least it seems like they're looking at it the right way. Um, obviously, there's some self analysis going on. What could we have done better? But but I think the reality is, like you said earlier in this podcast, LeBron wanted Los Angeles. LeBron wanted to be a member of the Lakers. And so I think the Cavs are saying there's probably not a lot that we could have done different over the last year or so that could have made this decision more favorable for us or put us in a better chance of keeping LeBron. I, I think there's I think there's that um they've accepted this outcome and it's not the same, at least for the organization, as the way that it was in twenty ten.
1: Right. I mean you could say you could point to some things like uh, not bringing Griff back. Sure, you could say trading Kyrie, but man, those, those, both both of those statements um, really leave some context out. Yes, uh, they they really do, especially especially the the Kyrie part. I mean. That that The Kyrie trade is so complex for its effect on this team and this team's future. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was probably the death knell for them as far as having any shot in the finals. Right. Uh, but they did put themselves in a better position uh, since LeBron did leave. And, and keeping Kyrie... There was no guarantee that Le- that LeBron would have stayed anyway, and he didn't do anything to keep to try to bring Kyrie back into the fold. Um, and Kyrie didn't want to play with him, so mm-hmm. someone would have had to been there be there to mend that fence. Um, Kyrie obviously had a bad knee anyway, and, and you know we've we've been over this, right? Um, so you know that that's that trade didn't help uh, as far as keeping LeBron, but like you said, and like I've said, like he wanted to play for the Lakers. Um, and y- you could say that the trading Kyrie, dumping Griff, uh, having the, like kind of a weird roster all year. Like you could say those things made it easier for LeBron to leave, but I think he felt like he could do this as soon as he won that, um, as soon as he won in, in, in 2016 and and
0: uh you know so he he had the opportunity now he took it and here's the other thing that I've been wondering recently Joe um knowing how close Kyrie Irving is to the new wave of stars in the NBA you know the group of Jimmy Butler Kawhi Leonard Paul George Russell Westbrook James Harden Gordon Hayward like Kyrie has connected with all those guys I noticed it in 2017 at the all-star game in New Orleans A lot of it's through Team USA stuff. A lot of it's through just he's the same age as a lot of those other guys. But the way that he's connected with the new wave of star, like I'm wondering if that's going to have an impact on what LeBron is able to do in terms of recruiting guys to Los Angeles. Against the Lakers, it's Los Angeles. He's going to have magic on his side. But I think the relationship between Kyrie and LeBron is one that, I think players are going to put under a microscope as they make a decision on whether they want to play with LeBron. Man,
1: that that is a, a really interesting point. Um, I, I think Kawhi Leonard wants to play play with him. Sure. And that might be enough. That um, might be enough. Paul, yeah. Paul George obviously didn't um, because he could have, and, yeah. and, and he did, didn't do it. And then you're right. Um, not not even just with Kyrie, although maybe Kyrie is a great example. But um, I, I I think that 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 there is kind of a, a difficulty for younger players to try to relate to LeBron or LeBron to relate to them. And he could fix all that by by having a good um, fruitful relationship with Lonzo and with Kuzma and, and Ingram. And but until we see him do that. Um, yeah you do wonder like how attractive the Lakers will be i I still think that they will be attractive for some of the things you said and also just the, the location and, and all that but but yeah yeah I mean I, I think that leBron his reputation um as far as being easy to play with with younger guys I,
0: I think there's some question there. Joe wants to know, he says, do you think the Cavs, putting us on the spot here, do you think the Cavs, the roster as it is, assuming Rodney Hood comes back, do you think they will make the playoffs this year?
1: I mean, yeah, <laughs> what a ridiculous July question 12. for me to answer. Like, I don't know. Yeah, you know. I, As I said earlier in the podcast, the league does not
0: believe that they can do this. Right. Um I believe they've earned the right to try, it, and that's how I'm going to answer that question. And I would say that the Cavs believe they can be a playoff team in part because they think there are at least two spots that are up for grabs in the Eastern Conference.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you think of uh, barring injury, Celtics, Sixers, uh, Raptors, Wizards, Bucks, and Bucks, yeah, those and Indiana. Are your, those are and yeah. Okay, fine. So there's your, there's your six. And then you're looking at the heat. You're looking at the Pistons. You're looking at the Hornets, right? You're looking at the Cavs. The um, Knicks. Yeah. if Porzingis stays upright. Maybe uh-huh. the Knicks. Brooklyn's interest. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, so, so I don't know that, and that all of those, that two of those teams sound to me
0: significantly better than the Cavs, but, we'll see. Tom says, compare the Cavs remaining roster to the roster we were left with in 2010 when LeBron left the first time. Oh, gracious me. Yeah. When you think this, they're in way better shape now. Oh yeah. The best player on that team was Antoine Jameson, I think. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's, there is no comparison. Yeah, it's not even close. I I don't think they had a player the caliber of Colin Sexton on that team. They certainly didn't have a player the caliber of Kevin Love on that team. I'm not sure they had a player the caliber of Rodney Hood on that team. Yeah. Yeah, it is a rough group. Oh, my gosh. I looked at that roster the other day. Holy moly. That's ridiculous. Uh, Did you place any bets while you were in Vegas? None. And thank goodness I didn't
1: because – well. All right, so the Indians were horrible the whole time I was out there. <laughs> uh, terrible. I would have lost all whatever money I, I had. I'd have lost on that. Yeah. Um, I I wanted to bet England yesterday. Couldn't get around to it. Oh, thank goodness. Oh, uh, would have lost there. So so yeah. I mean, that's I, it. Would have been a disaster. Um, I, I mean, me like. Basically, like me doing like gambling um, or blackjack or yeah. fantasy sports is a disaster anyway, no matter what.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: So, uh, in this case, I, I avoided financial ruin by uh, staying away from the renowned sporting books out there. No slots. No, I I I, I had a small amount of money uh that i brought with me to blackjack table and it was gone very quickly (laughs) Um, and kind of the other people like the people we hang with did a lot better yeah uh, a lot longer over a period of days than i did but
0: so that's your go-to game is blackjack well i wouldn't call it a go-to it it would be like you're going to go
1: that direction if you're
0: right that's it that's right And I was having this conversation with my buddy earlier today. When you bet, like, sporting events, like you were talking about, or futures, do you bet what you think is going to win, or do you bet what you think has the most chance of happening based on the odds? Does that make sense? Uh, yeah. Okay, so I was talking to my buddy earlier today about NBA Rookie of the Year. And I said, if I were him, I'd put some money down on Colin Sexton. I don't think he's the front runner to win rookie of the year. I think it's probably Luka Doncic or DeAndre Ayton. But you can't make money if you bet on those particular guys because the odds just are not in your favor. Colin Sexton, you might be able to make some money. So when you do bet like that, do you bet to try and just get it right? Or do you bet to try and win some money? But isn't it one and the same? I don't know necessarily. I don't think it is.
1: I think it is.
0: I think it's. Really? Same. I
1: think you're. Yeah. I mean, you want to because how, how do you make money by being right? Well, oh, I guess. see.
0: I guess. I see. Now I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Um, you would not have made any money whatsoever if you would have bet uh, LeBron to the Lakers on June 29th. You know what I mean? Right. But that seemed like right. it was the most likely destination, but would you have just said, hey, you know, let me put some money on somewhere else to try and make some money. I always think yeah, that's an that's interesting it. thing when gambling. Yeah, that that's it. You're right. Alright, uh, that'll do it for this time, Joe. Um, I'm going yeah. on vacation <laughs> coming up soon. Okay. And I know you're going on vacation as well, so we'll, we'll try and fit in the schedule, another Wine and Gold Talk podcast in the future, but um, I'm not exactly sure when it's going to be
1: well whenever it is, I'm sure people are going to be on the edge of their seats.